church signs and bumper stickers all day today on Table Talk Radio as we listen to the voicemail and see what you sent us. Stay tuned. A radio show that confesses Christ without confusing the law and the gospel. A radio show that takes scripture seriously without taking ourselves so seriously. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. I, I like how he ran in the room thinking that you accidentally articulated baptism incorrectly. Like, wait a minute. You're mistaken. He said to me, he said, you sound like a heretic. Right. Yeah. It wasn't like, boy, they must be playing a game where they're articulating someone else's belief. It was, I think Pastor Wolfmiller is off his rocker. <laughs> I'm, I'm a little bit disturbed that you think that I would actually teach that about baptism, <laughs> And it's so, 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 so deserved to be crunched. I mean, mega crunched. So, uh, if you guys would put mega the mega crunch. crunch on the song, that would be awesome. <laughs> keep uh, preaching the word, pastors. Keep it mediocre. Mediocre and hilarious. Invoking listeners everywhere to pray, come Lord Jesus. This is Table Talk Radio. <laughs> Do you think That's there'll right. be Table Talk Heaven Radio in the role. resurrection? Make No, no. Oh, <laughs> I don't think so either. <laughs> wow. I mean, we, we'd have no games to play. You know, Pray Song Cruncher's out. Uh, Kick the Dog Comes the Child is out. I mean, what, what would we possibly do on Table Talk Radio in the resurrection? Mm, I don't know. Uh, we could do uh, Don't Forget the Stanzas to Your Hymns. Yeah, that's true. But then you'd always remember do, them, and that would not be Father fun. Headlines. Uh, <laughs> that's true. You'd be like, hey, that was me. <laughs> All right. Name well, that martyr. We could find the guys. You know, <laughs> hey, Romanus. Here's a crowd of, yeah. All right. Well, uh, whatever mediocre show in store for you today, thanks for listening to this edition of Table Talk Radio with uh, Pastor Wolf Mueller and myself, Evan Gigline. And we are uh, trying to uh, make theology tolerable. Is that That's probably not the right way. Uh Try, yeah. Trying to make a I, podcast yeah. tolerable with theology. That might be a better fighting way. Against <laughs> the idea of the, fighting against theological boredom. That's uh, what we're after. Okay. Fighting against theological boredom. And and to do that, we find the most boring pastors in the world. So how's that going for you? Yeah. All right. Well, uh, I think we we'll start the show with some buzzwords. Do you have one of those? I, I do. My buzzword is the ascension because I was thinking about this yesterday. Remember how Psalm 110 is the third most quoted Old Testament psalm in the New Testament? I mean, sorry, let me correct that. Third most quoted Old Testament passage, all of the Old Testament in the New Testament. Did you know that? I don't think so. Do you know what number one is? You could probably guess number one. Number two is tricky. Most quoted Old Testament passage in the New Testament. All right, I got a new game. Hold on, hold on. I got a game. Let's play. What are the... Let's play Table Talk Jeopardy. What are the most used Old Testament passages in the New Testament? You have three categories. Number one, number two, and number three. Okay, well, so, I, should start, I should start paying attention. Because um, I was finding my buzzword. So what am I supposed to do? You're supposed to say, uh, I would like Old Testament passages in the New Testament for 100, 200, or 300. Uh, 100. This is the third most quoted passage from the Old Testament in the New Testament. That's going to be embarrassing when you miss this because I told you what it was. Mm-hmm. Third Psalm. most quoted passage from the Old Testament. Psalm. Yes. I need to go back and play the tape. Uh, Psalm 119. 
close. Psalm 110, verse 1. The Lord said to my Lord, sit here at my right hand uh, how until could I, I make that? your enemies your footstool. You have negative 100 points. Okay, now, I'll, I'll go for 200. 200? This is, this is the second most quoted Old Testament passage in the New Testament. What is Genesis 15, 6? Close, but no. What is... This is interesting. What is Psalm 118, verse 22? Mm. The stone that the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. Oh, that was where I was going for the first. Oh, dang. Now I don't know what to do. Uh, All right. Okay, so now your last category is Old Testament quotes in the New Testament for 300. I'll do that. And it is. This Old Testament passage is the most (laughs) quoted passage in the New Testament. Uh... I should probably a great game. think about this. Um, Negative 300 points. See, I, I really thought and, it was uh, the stone the, the builders could, rejected. That, so I'm I'm really... You thought that was number one. Yeah, I did. Not quite. There's uh, one that's quoted more often. Uh, you want to give you a hint? Yeah, yeah. It's not a psalm. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> um, okay, okay, okay. I'll give you another hint. It was written by Moses. Okay. Maybe maybe what I picked. Here's another hint. Unlike the other two, which are gospel, this one is law. Uh, love your neighbor. What is love your neighbor? You got it. Leviticus 19, love your neighbors yourself. Too bad you didn't ask it as a question. (laughs) Didn't I? Thought I did. Negative. Negative 600. Good game. Okay. The Ascension is taught in Psalm 110. That was great. That was fun. Wow, this is a way to start off a show. Anyway, the, uh, ascension of Jesus, and and it's and this is all over the Old Testament. The the Lord's are all over the New Testament. The Lord said to my Lord, "Sit here at my right hand until I make your enemy your footstool." And the interesting thing about it is that while this truth is preached to us as one of the most foundational truths of our Christian life, that Jesus is Lord, that He sits on the throne. It is hidden from our eyes. We walk by faith, not by sight. So that Jesus is sitting on the throne of the universe, ruling and reigning all things for the sake of his church, but we don't see it yet. And that's Hebrews chapter 2. It says we don't see all things subjected to him. Uh, but it does say we see Jesus made a little lower than the angels. So that even though Jesus is exalted, we haven't seen him exalted. Not yet. It's for us to see him as crucified as we walk through the valley of the shadow of death. This is, I think, very interesting. Yeah, very interesting. All right. So uh, my theological buzzword for you is one we haven't had in a while, but it's a, it's a, it's like a, a throwback. It's a, it's a classic. Uh, pietism. Vintage. And the oh. the official Table Talk Radio definition of pietism is growth in good works, as opposed to right doctrine, or more important than right doctrine. Uh, so mm-hmm. um, I don't care what we believe in this church. I just care that the uh, people are doing lots of good things. Well, you know, good things are good, right? But um, whether the doctrine Mm -hmm. is rightly taught is even more important than good things. Hmm. What do you Hmm. think? I think that's true. Okay. All right, I got an email. It's a matter of emphasis. It's really interesting. It is. It is. And it's very subtle, but uh, pietism will... Ruin everything. <laughs> ruin your day. Here's an email from David. He says, 
Uh, not really a church sign or a bumper sticker, but perhaps you could work a game uh, into this. Uh, maybe comfort the dog. Or sorry, <laughs> he said uh, comfort the child, kick the dog. Comfort dogs. <laughs> comfort the comfort dog, dog. I always do that. I always, make, I always cross those two for some reason. Anyway, he suggests uh, kick the dog, comfort the child. And it says that it was reported to him from his son who attends eighth grade at a Christian school. And this was a devotion from his teacher. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. When you die, how would you feel on Judgment Day if a fellow teammate or someone you see daily looked up at you in heaven and said, why didn't you tell me about Jesus? That counts as a law sermon. By the way. <laughs> so here we are. So it's the, you got to tell more people about Jesus, which is, I suppose, is true. We want to speak the Lord's word and his kindness when we walk along the way, when we rise up, when we sit down all the time. We want to be speaking the Lord's word. That's that's so far so good. Does, um, it, does it kind of suggest, I don't know, are you kicking the dog or cuffing the child right now? It's hard to tell. I don't know. I'm, I'm getting still getting my head around the thing. Okay. I'll just wait around for you what to was decide. Being said. Okay. <laughs> oh, so you want to you know which one? I want you to, well, why don't you kick the dog? <laughs> so, but what is the, so to kick the dog, you got to identify what is the false teaching here. Okay. Well, okay, so let's just work on that for now. Um what what this kind of suggests is that the reason people end up in hell is because of other people. <laughs> um, so that uh, it wasn't a person's own sin that um, that condemned them, but another a believer's failure. Um, I'm not sure that that's a biblical notion. Now, should as you said, uh, should we proclaim the gospel? Yes, um, at every possibility and, and invitation, and even when there's no invitation, yes, that's that's a, a thing. Because the the word of God is is uh, well, the you know, the gospel is uh, salvation to those who believe. So, uh, yes, we should. Uh, does that mean um, that my failure to do so is? Uh, binding God's hands to to bring salvation to this person. I, I'm, I'm not sure that that's a biblical notion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. I mean, we, we're judged by our own, uh, for our own sin. That's right. Although, yeah, so it's a false equivalency that's there. Hmm. Interesting. Okay, so, uh, so you, who, what are you going to do? Kick the dog? Um... I'm not good at that. Why don't you take that? <laughs> so let's assume let's assume that the teacher knows better. Let's assume that the teacher has embraced this idea, this kind of backdoor Arminianism. We let's call it that that uh, you can't choose to be a Christian, but what the Christian does will determine if someone else is a Christian or not. And that we um, have now. Um, spoken a severe law to even kind of an untrue law to push people to despair uh, and and we've manifest this mission thing there's we should be concerned about people's eternal salvation you've said that I've said that that should be clear wait what's that music it means that you have eight How seconds music well, we'll have to pick this up on the other side. We should be concerned about other people's salvation, but we should make sure that we're not more concerned about it than Jesus is. <laughs> Good point. You see what I'm getting at there? Obviously.
busting the myth that practice makes perfect. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. So I've kicked up the Wolfmuller One YouTube channel, and I was talking to Daniel, my expert YouTube advisor, about it, who said, Dad, your stuff is really bad. I know, Daniel, I know. But look, I have 4,006 uh, for watch time, and to monetize on YouTube, you got to have 4,000 hours. And I, I look, I said, look, 4,006. And Daniel says, Dad, you have 4,006 minutes, not hours. <laughs> anyway, if you want to see what we're up to over on YouTube, you can visit YouTube, search for Wolfmuller. Wolfmuller1 is the channel name. See you there. Welcome back to Table Talk Radio. All right, uh, before the break, Pastor Wolfmuller was just getting ready. He was winding up to kick the dog. And I think he was trying to wrap his mind yeah. around this. Uh, so so you made this great here? point during the uh, bump music out that uh, that we are to be concerned about the loss, but not more, more concerned than Jesus. What do you mean by that? Well, that's, I mean, it's, we... We 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 kind of wrap ourselves up into this great panic, this great evangelism panic, and and now it's and that's the thing that matters. This there's this the, there's the tragedy of condemnation, which sure enough is a tragedy, but we try to that that becomes a that becomes a recipe almost for disorder, for abandoning everything and going and 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 doing nothing but. Speaking of Jesus to people in the hopes that some might be saved. Now, we we ought to be doing all the, all that we can to speak the name of Jesus all the time. That's fine. But this is not a disordered speaking, but an ordered speaking. In other words, it's a preaching. That's what Jesus instituted. So he wants his church to go out in all the world, and he's taking care of it. I mean, he's sending people out so that they can go and 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 speak his name to those who he'd call and and it's a it's happening in an in an orderly way. Now, there's a way that the the law is. Are you afraid or are you lazy to speak the name of Jesus? Well, repent of that fear and laziness. But but to say that if you don't do it now, that's why some people might end up in hell. And then they'll stand there and look at you and say, hey, how come you're sending me to hell as if we are the judge, as if it's not their own sins? That is really... That is really putting a, a, a kind of a guilt trip on people that is unsustainable. I mean, if you just if you were to, if you were to think if the, that that was a true doctrine, that my failure to speak the name of Jesus to someone might be the cause of them going to hell, then we would, I mean, everything would be different. You you wouldn't get married. You wouldn't have a family. You wouldn't go to school. You wouldn't. There would be no order to this life. It would just be pure chaos. I mean, going around and and trying to snatch people here and there. As before they fall into the fire, but this is not how the Lord has ordered the world. And what happens is we kind of work ourselves up into a, a state where we become more, more worried about about people's uh, condemnation than than seemingly than Jesus is, who has ordered this kind of orderly evangelism and preaching of the gospel to happen. Right. I mean, um, and and you you liken this back to Arminianism when we started this, and I think I think there's a great point there. So that that's from the notion that salvation really happens upon the man's decision. So what that makes is Christians a bunch of kind of salesmen and trying to um, great create this great pitch to which no one could uh, say no. 
And uh, what that, of course, denies then is the matter of original sin, so that uh, um, that our own sinful wills are um, are are preventing us from from believing. And uh, and and what what breaks through uh, of that is is God's word. Um, and so this is why we as Christians do proclaim God's word uh, as 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 well we should. Um, but. But but to say that um, if if we if we're if we're not on board with this kind of sales pitch or emergency, then then God just uh, has uh, no hope for such a person. That that that's uh, denying who is actually the actor of salvation. I mean, uh, I mean, we say in the Catechism that uh, I cannot by my own reason or strength believe in Jesus Christ, my Lord, or come to Him. Now, if 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 that's true, then I can't by my own reason strength, make that guy over there believe either. <laughs> you know? Right. That, that's, that's right. Yeah. It's, it's God's work. It's God's work. Yeah, so we say, so th- this is the backdoor Arminianism. We say, well, look, the unbeliever can't make a decision for Christ, but the believer can make a decision to tell the unbeliever about Christ, and that's the decision that results in salvation. You see? Right. And that's this backdoor Arminianism, and it's and it's dangerous. Now, we, we love each other, and we speak the name of Jesus. We do those things, but this is all... It's not a. This is not a big panic, disordered sort of thing. We, 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 we live and we, we, we sleep and we eat and we and we speak the kindness of Jesus to those whom we meet. And this is, this is how it goes. So it's not this big sort of great, fantastic panic that the evangelicalists want to press us towards. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, let's uh, let's let's look at some of the voicemails that we have here. Now, if you have a uh, 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 comment or a question, or or even if you have a church sign, bump sticker, we're happy to take those. Just give us a call, 1-800-385-SOLA, 1-800-385-7652, and let's listen to some of our, voice, our voicemails. Car on the back of a semi in Ohio and Kentucky. It's a large white square with a road that forks in two directions. The road to the right has a destination of sin with stops at money and pleasure, and the road to the left has a destination of a cross with a sign next to it that says Jesus and stops at service and discipleship. At the bottom of the sticker, it says, Choose this day whom you will serve, dot, 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 Joshua 24, 15. Also, on the road to Jesus, um, the road to Jesus looks narrower than the road to sin in the picture. Thanks. Bye. Well, thank you. What a fantastic... That is a huge bumper sticker. <laughs> I was going to say, what a fantastic description of a bumper sticker. I mean, I probably would have called him like, you know, it's not really worth the trouble. Yeah, you, you just got to see it. But boy, this caller did a fantastic job you gotta be here. describing yeah, yeah. what the bumper sticker looked like. So uh, you have a, a fork in the road. Uh, the side that goes right goes to sin. It's a, it's a broader road and stops at... What were some of the stops on that road? Uh, money and pleasure. Money and pleasure. That's right. And then uh, right. the the road to the left was uh, Jesus and stops at serving and discipleship. What do you think of that? Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, hey, I, I this is what <laughs> I didn't. So hmm. maybe, maybe hmm. <laughs> I got you on your heels today. I wrote a book about this. <laughs> <laughs> just read my book. That's why I'm hesitating. Just, just, <laughs> just if, hesitating. Have a stack of. Pastor Wolfmother's books in the driver's side seat or the passenger side seat there. So when you see this guy in the bumper sticker, just hand him a book. Yeah. Here you go. Hey, 
read, read this book. <laughs> but there is a danger. So um, there is a thing about about pleasure. Jesus tells the parable of the sower. That's what I wrote the book about, parable of the sower. And remember, the third seed falls in the weeds, and the weeds grow up and choke it out. That's the that's the pleasures of this life that that choke out our faith. And the and and money and lust are the big ones that Jesus talks about. Uh, that the scriptures talk about, and so there is a there is a way, and I think that, interestingly enough, that that this is probably the thing that draws away most Christians, that that wrecks the faith of most of, of most believers. It's it's this you that we that we that the devil comes along and he tempts us to. To, to to chase after the things that we want rather than the we we don't then keep as Paul says that we don't keep in in step with the Holy Spirit so we 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 gratify the desires of the sinful flesh so that the the pleasure of the eyes the pleasure the pride of life etc these things overwhelm us and we we chase down this path that we think leads to life but it ends up leading to death we think it leads to pleasure but it ends up leading to pain so so here's the picture oh okay so here, this this will kind of preach um uh if you if you were to stop the the prodigal son remember the prodigal son he says dad wish you were dead give me half your stuff okay he's got a bag and he's got his new shoes and he's got his nice luggage and he's got his passport he's headed out of town and you stop him you say hey are you on the path of of freedom or are you on the path of slavery are you headed to life or death? And this son would say, "What? He's I'm finally out from under my dad's thumb, right? I'm finally, I'm finally free." You see, this is the this is the this is the illusion of the devil, that 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 if we chase after our own desires, we're, we are living free. We're we're living our we're discovering our authentic self. We're finally being alive. And this this illusion is strong. This temptation is strong for people, and this so this bumper sticker kind of is putting it out there. So here, here's one uh -huh. path, and that leads to death. Here's there's another small little path that leads to that leads to life, and it's the path of the cross. Now there's a it so happens that there's a lot of paths that lead to death. So there's the path of of pleasure. There's the path of sin. There's the path of suffering. All these, the path of despair, the path of pride. All these will eventually lead. To death, so the bumper sticker needs to be even bigger to capture all of these different paths. It's already like covering half of the back of gets, the car. That can be much bigger. I know. Well, it's a semi, so <laughs> well, maybe there's room. But the the theological problem, of course, is this: choose this day whom you will serve. Kind of now, it's the it's the unbeliever. You know, you got you got two choices. Which way is it going to be? I, I mean, I suppose for what it's worth, that's actually what what the Bible says. It just also says that you can't choose. You, I mean, you by by yourself. You can't make that decision, um, but in in some ways it's kind of it's kind of the ancient wisdom. the the old, The old Bible scholars called this the Hakma wisdom, the path wisdom. That there's always the, that the Bible is always putting before you two paths, hmm. and you got to choose one or the other. There's the death and life. There's darkness and light. There's right and wrong. There's there's sin and and good. And and so the, this fork is always sitting there before you. Um. So so I suppose for what it's worth, that's. I mean that's all right. It's good for us to think of the world in that way, as opposed to three different paths. Okay, so let me see what you think about that because I want to put 30 another seconds. idea before you. What? How come this time is so short? All right. Well, let me toss it back to you and see what you think about that. Well, I I think about the road about the choice thing. I mean, so um, mm -hmm. 
the, the bumper sticker is expressing a lot of biblical truths. I mean, it has the, the, the road is narrow, uh, the certain uh, characteristics of a path to sin, and those things are true. Um, I mean, again, it kind of goes back to that problem we mentioned earlier with this Arminianism, that it's really just kind of your decision. But I think, I think we can work through that. Maybe talk about that on the other side of the break. Stay tuned. Table Talk Radio listeners, does it take to change a light bulb? You'll probably have to settle for one. I'm reading Luther's sermons from the House Postal every week. You can find it at www.hope-aurora.org. Click on the Luther Sermon Podcast. All right, I want to talk about this hakma. Is that what, is that what it's called? Hakma. <laughs> Gotta get that. Uh, so, did the, were, the, were the theologians though remarking uh, the life of the Christian in that regard? So that this is a person who's been uh, regenerated, and now uh, certain decisions come before him. Um, the, that is uh, the the way of the Lord versus the way of our own flesh. Right. So, so this is the some, way of life, the way of death. So this is something different, though, than the unconverted kind of. There's a fork in the road, and are you going to, you know, choose God or not? I mean, that, that's a completely different scenario. Right now, the the, the thing is, um, uh, what what I think this bumper sticker fails to do. You know, you know how this question comes up. You, usually, it's it's the it's kind of the. I mean, otherwise, we'd call it the elevator pitch. Um, but maybe you're in an elevator, literally, or you're walking down the street, and you just have like a minute or two, and someone's like, uh, "What's what's the difference between Lutheran and everybody else?" You know, you get that question. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, mm-hmm. I have I have like twenty twenty different ways I answer that question, just depending upon the day or what whatever. But I think one of my one of my favorite ways is to say that um, we see that God's word. Could basically basically be boiled down to uh, two different teachings, um, uh, demands and promises. And there are mm-hmm. certainly demands in the Bible. You know, you shall love your neighbor. This kind of thing. But there's also promises in the Bible. Um, you know, I forgive you of all your sins. And Lutherans are of the conviction that the primary message that God wants us to rest in is the promises of his word, not the demands of his word. And in fact, that the demands are only to show us our need for his promises. And everybody else Mm -hmm. has their emphasis on the commands and demands, which really leave people in fear rather than any certainty of salvation. That, that's kind of a boil down mm-hmm. what's the difference between Lutheran and everybody else. And, and I think my concern for this bumper sticker um, can give the impression that the main point of the Bible is uh, is the demands, the things that I'm supposed to do, because the, the narrow way has stops along the road of discipleship and service. Now, am I saying that those aren't part of the Christian life? Uh, no, I'm not. But... I, I would not want a bumper sticker, and this is why we do bumper sticker theology, to, to talk about the ramifications of 
of just a, a, a piece of vinyl on someone's car. Um, I would not want the impression to say the way I get to Jesus is by doing service or by being some kind of a qualitative disciple, um, but actually it's because of his promises that I am his. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's exactly right. So the Lord is the one who's rescuing us. And this emphasis, I mean, there's always this emphasis on me to become a Christian, to be a Christian, to stay a Christian and everything. This is the this is the the Achilles heel of almost all of American theology. And so that's so so that's a danger that's there. But but you can understand like you mentioned, I mean you can kind of understand where you get there because this text, when Joshua says, Choose this day whom you will serve, he's talking not to the pagan, mm-hmm. Baal worshipping Canaanites, he's talking to the Israelites who have the word and the sacraments already mm-hmm. and saying, okay, now, here we go, guys. Let's go. Yeah. Good point. All right, let's go to the next one here, then. Hello, pastors. Thank you for keeping it mediocre. Uh, just wanted to let you know, I saw and a hilarious in front of the local Presbyterian church. It said, you do not have a soul. You are a soul. You have a body. Anyways, thought that was interesting, and have a mediocre day. Thanks. Bye. Okay. Wow. So far, I am having a mediocre day. <laughs> so what do you think? Uh, hope you are, too. Hope you are, too. This is a C.S. Lewis quote, by the way. Mm. Okay, so what do you think C.S. Lewis is trying to get at in using in this know. sentence? I don't know. Uh, so, so like it, but I don't think it's right. Uh, okay. I mean, so I mean, I think uh, I, I don't think C.S. Lewis was a Gnostic. I don't think. But um, would you want to talk about the dangers of a Gnostic interpretation of this? Yeah. You see that is, because that's what that that is what the danger is, and it might be that C.S. Lewis was a little bit of a Gnostic. Um, but so so what is he contrasting with? It's not. It's not. You are not a. You are not a. You do not have a soul. You are a soul. You have a body. Is, I guess that's because people say, uh, "Do you you have the question? Do you have a soul? Hmm. Uh, do 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 people have souls?" And because I guess we know that you have a body, hmm. but yeah. it's, it's so it's trying to it's kind of fighting against that. Say no, no. The emphasis is in the wrong spot. The emphasis is not on the body. The emphasis is on the soul. But the but the Christian understanding is that we are body and soul. Uh, and never meant to be separated from one another, always meant to be bound up together. Right. And so we are body and soul. It's not like your body with a soul. It's also not like your soul with a body. Mm-hmm. It's that you you are you, and there are two constitutive parts of yourself, which are the invisible parts and the visible parts, but it's never meant to be separated from one another. And they're probably more connected than we can imagine Mm-hmm. It is an amazing thing to think about that the angels can move stuff around. How how can the how can a spiritual being interact with this physical world? We we want to build a wall of separation between the two, but that that wall of separation is not is is does not exist in reality and and we know that because our soul and our body are interacting with each other in profound ways. I mean even just the fact that whatever it is that is thinking theological thoughts in my head is causing my voice to speak, you know, the, this, the lungs and lips and all this stuff. And so the, it's the, this, we're this constant interaction of body and soul, so that, that, that our humanity is bound up together. And the, it's the Gnostic tendency 
that wants to separate the two. So, so Gnosticism says uh, that that we're soul and body, but the soul is the good part, and the body is the bad part that needs to be rejected and, and at last overcome. So that salvation belongs to the spirit, which is pure and holy and part of the divine life, and the and the physical stuff is bad. It's stained. It's unclean, and so. We live this sort of dual life, trapped in the body until we're set free by death. That's the Gnostic idea, and it it's pervasive. It gets it gets into everything. Uh, what are some What are some and, and modern manifestations of that? Besides um, the C.S. Lewis quote, <laughs> yeah, and uh, this Presbyterian call? church saying that gay marriage, the transgender movement. Denial of infant baptism. Denial of sacraments. I mean, every error is Gnosticism. Uh, the, the denial of the Lord's Supper. How about this? People say, evangelicalism says that, uh, hey, the Lord's Supper can't be a means of grace because it's a physical thing, therefore it must be a work. Mm -hmm. What? Why? What? How is that a physical? Uh, why does it, because it's physical, it has to be a work? It's because everything everything physical is understood to be kind of in the realm of the law, and the, and the spirit is, is the gospel. Right. Thing. The idea that so, that that or this, we get this idea, you, you, when you, when you die, you're done with your body. That's that's there's Gnosticism there too. All these people burning their dead bodies. That's a that's kind of a manifestation of an unrecognized Gnosticism. Mm -hmm. It's everywhere. I was going to suggest that you know when when someone's reading the Bible, this is just kind of a a dead church, but the spirit is active where my emotions are moved. So so that God's working in an immaterial way. So I think I think I think. Um, the concern is definitely valid. We want to avoid it. And I think given those concerns, we ought to be very suspect with this with this quote. Now I think I don't I don't know if C. S. Lewis was a Gnostic. Those who are more associated with his writings can email us in and let us know what you think. But um I I wonder if C. S. Lewis was just trying to um emphasize that that a, a soul is a thing a, against those who are empiricists and say that this are just bodies walking around that there's nothing you know but I, I think we've I think we've made the point ready to go to the next one Here, I found it look at this oh you got it uh, you don't have a soul C.S. Lewis never said it oh. how about this below is a definitive takedown of the idea that C.S. Lewis said that you do not have a soul you are a soul you have a body in recent years, the attribution has taken on a life of its own, and our hope is to clear Lewis's name. Interesting. Wow. See, I was told so I, by I, someone. So I had bought into was... it, and now I'm being. So I have to correct myself. Well, I'm glad. Uh... I was always suspect of it because it didn't sound right as we were talking. Yeah. Uh, let's see. The statement, you do not have a soul, you are a soul, you have a body, makes the rounds in seemingly cyclical pattern on the internet and in print. John. Piper tweeted it last year. Ravi Zacharias included the quotation in at least one of his books. Wow. It can also be found in several New Age handbooks, Guide for Psychics, Devotions for Fathers. <laughs> this pithy summation of the distinction between body and soul is almost exclusively attributed to Lewis, although a few recent authors baldly claim it as their own. The quotation cannot be found in Lewis's writings. While many sources ascribe it to mere Christianity, more responsible writers concede that the primary source is unknown. How about this? How it's, about this? It's either the in there or it's not. Lewis fiction and nonfiction, we can safely say that he would never intend to convey this belief that our bodies are simply temporary shells. Readers and fans know that the worlds he created are deeply physical. Trees are alive, etc., etc. Mm. Very good. Well, I'm glad that we, we clear that up. 
Uh, we're coming up on another break, so we're going to have to take uh, time here, and then we'll be back shortly. Uh, but, but we want to get your voicemails, 1-800-385-SOLA, 1-800-385-7652 is the phone number. You can also send us an email, questions at tabletalkradio.org, and uh, we can read those on the air. But we prefer audio, so if you want to call us in, we'll get to your voicemail in a good uh, three or four months or so and uh, respond to your question on the air. Uh, and then uh, one more segment of this uh, nonsense here on Table Talk Radio right after this break, and then we'll do more church signs and bump stickers from your calls. Stay tuned. Don't ask me why, but you've been listening to Table Talk Radio. Get the Around the Word devotions delivered to you in a free daily email. You can f- sign up for that at whatdoesthismean.org. Click the Devotions button. Hey, Evan, you know this song that's playing? Yeah, what about it? It wasn't by Joel. <laughs> Yeah, I keep saying it was by Joel, uh, yeah. and Joel sent an email, and he says, hey, that's not my song. Yeah, I know. And I, then I met, <laughs> this weekend in Iowa, the guy who says, hey, I'm the guy who made the bump music for you guys on Table Talk. <laughs> anyway, said, thanks, oh, yeah. Joel. Sorry I keep saying it was Joel. <laughs> oh, did Whoops. did Joel think he meant, think we were talking about him? Joel's just our name for the random listener. Thanks, Joel. <laughs> Appreciate Joel. it. Hey, Joel. Anyway, here's a voicemail from Joel. Joel. All right. Joel. Forklift drivers love in Australia. To Table Talk Radio. <laughs> I think I think that was supposed to say mediocre forklift drivers in Colorado listen to Table Talk Radio. That's pretty good. I found the source of the quote, by the way. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, from from the you know you're you're a soul, you're a body. You ready for that? Yeah. It comes from the British Friend, which is a Quaker periodical in 1892, where George MacDonald, who was a he well, he was a pastor. He wrote a bunch of stuff. C.S. Lewis liked George MacDonald. In fact, he said he was one of his big influences. George MacDonald says, "Quote: Never tell a child you have a soul. Teach him you are a soul. You have a body." As we learn to think of things always in this order, that the body is but a temporary clothing of the soul, our views of death and the unbefittingness of customary mourning will approximate to those of friends of earlier generations. Ah. So there you go. There's the full quote context. And it's pretty bad then because the body is not only a temporary shell for the soul. It is a temporary shell for the soul because of death, but it will be a permanent whole for the soul in life. You look, we are body and soul together. That's the biblical doctrine. Hmm. Yep, I I agree with that. But the Quakers are gnostics. So, there you go. It all, it's all coming together. It's all coming together. It's all making sense. All right, well here's another voicemail from Joel. Church sign. All right, Joel God from Australia. Can turn your test into a testimony. And it's around the start of school here. So, Oh, that makes sense then. What year, I wonder. I think that's not Joel. That's Jolene. <laughs> oh, my bad. Uh, Jolene from Australia. She I has can a very your, slight Australian accent. I can turn your test into a testimony. I'm not sure our, our voicemail is toll-free from Australia. 
Uh, thanks for the sacrifice, Jolene. <laughs> <laughs> Paying for the long distance call. Uh, it, it's so. So it's, this uh, it th- this into a testimony. This, this has, is actually true. Actually, this okay. little church sign is true. Okay. Test into a testimony. That's I, I wouldn't say it that way, but that the Lord uses our suffering to give us gifts. But that does not fit on the church side. Uh, suffering is good. There's a way that the Christian... Now, I've been thinking about this a little bit because we have this... Sto- you have the Epicurean idea, Stoic, the, this Epicurean idea that says suffering is bad, most suffering is bad. you got the Stoic idea that says suffering must be endured. Suffering is indifferent. And you got the Christian idea that says suffering belongs to Jesus. Huh. So... So we rejoice in our suffering. This is so frustrating to the devil, and I think it's bad that we've lost this doctrine. We need to get it back. This Every every single one of the uh, apostles talks about joy in suffering. John, Peter, uh, Paul, Jude, I think it's in there. I mean, all, all the epistles in the New Testament talk about having a, a, having a real joy in suffering. It's the thing that, that Luther calls spiritual drunkenness when he talks about the martyrs who go joyfully skipping to their death. So that the, how, how would the Epicurean go to their, to their suffering and death? I don't know. They would, I, they'd have trouble. How would the Stoic? They'd go stoically. <laughs> it is what it is. That's easy. Easy answer. But how would the Christian go? Dancing. The Christian goes dancing to death. That's the, that is the difference for the Christians. And it's so frustrating, especially to the people who want to kill us. <laughs> mm-hmm. unwittingly this is the luther quote well this is this is the old christian hymn that luther loves unwittingly they lead us to joy eternal so that the persecutors of the church don't even they're trying to cause us trouble they don't realize that what a great gift they're doing because every bit of suffering is a little bit closer it's another little dance step closer to the eternal banquet feast of heaven <sighs> yeah that's great want me to read you a luther quote on this all yeah. right all right, if you insist. How about this? Uh, stop me, because this is kind of long. Uh, Luther's talking about Psalm forty-five, fifteen, which says, With joy and gladness they are led along as they enter into the palace of the king. And Luther says, He's sketching how the church and the people of God are led into the palace to Christ himself as if to a dance and royal banquet. Therefore, here too spiritual eyes are required, such as St. Agatha had, when they, the martyrs, were taken off to torture on account of their confession of Christ. She said that they were being led to the dance and sumptuous feasts. So the church is exposed to all misfortunes and torments, and individual Christians are either thrown into prison or overwhelmed by sorrow, temptations, and martyrdom. Yet they suffer all these things with a joyous conscience, because the Holy Spirit is with them, making them despise the wrath and fury of the world and the devil with all his terrors, so that they even enter into danger with joy. <laughs> that's halfway through. I'll stop there. See what yeah. you think. Yeah, that's it's great. I mean, so uh, I mean, so I, I think I think the knee jerk reaction to what you said, uh, suffering is good. Um, that suffering does come as a result of sin, um, and so the the only way that we can understand this though is to see what Jesus does with sin. <laughs> Right, um, that right. that he he's he's done away with sin. So now now I mean as as uh, as Paul says, well, quoting from the Old Testament. Don't ask me how many times, 
it's used, but uh, that the that the, um, the 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 sting of death is gone. You know, right? Um, yeah. It's so. We say, so can we say death is good? Suffering is good. Well, no, I mean, no, but yes. No, but yes, because when because it belongs to Jesus. All these things belong to Jesus, and when they belong to Jesus, he uses them for our good. It's amazing. So we can rejoice in them, not in themselves, but because because Jesus is Lord over all of these things. He's that, the Lord of death and the grave. He's the Lord of suffering. That's He's even the Lord of sin. Yeah, I think that's a great distinction, not in of themselves, but because of Jesus. Yeah. Good. All right, let's keep plugging away. have a little bit of time left here. All right. Church sign on a new covenant church. There is no high like the most high. I think that's in Colorado. You don't know about that anymore. I don't know anything about Colorado anymore. That is ridiculous. That church sign. Remember that song? We got in trouble for making fun of it. Uh, Jesus is better than football. Oh, yeah. Remember how many years ago was that? A long time. You just take these inappropriate things to compare Jesus with or to compare the Lord with. And they're true. I mean, they're 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 true in statements, but but they're ridiculous. There's Jesus is a better high <laughs> than any other high. Uh, true or false? Well, uh, 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 <laughs> this is just, it's like Jesus is greater than any mollusk. Guess... Or but just sin. It's like take it with a sin. It's like uh. Jesus is the biggest jackpot, <laughs> you know, or yeah, yeah. it's just kind of, what are you doing? What are you trying to do with this sign? Hey, hey, everybody who, everybody out there who likes to get high, you know what you should do? Believe in God because it's even better. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. Hey, get this. That's, that's like, this is our evangelism thing. Hey, everybody who likes to get drunk, spiritual drunkenness is better. It's just, oh, brother. Hey, so get this. That uh, Jesus is better in football thing, 10 yeah. years ago. Wow. And I wow. only know that because I remember that the song said, Jesus is better than the saints. He's better than the Colts. And that was uh, back in 2009. Was <laughs> <laughs> How do you remember the song? Oh, yeah. That, I sing it every day. Remember that? Has, we had to talk to the guy who wrote the thing, and it was this big deal. We had to like do official reconciliation or something. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Was it, I don't know if uh, it's not as approved. much trouble as we used to. People used to care. <laughs> That's great that nobody cares now. <laughs> Jesus is more mediocre than Table Talk Radio. You should listen to him. It's just, it's just a stupid way to say something. It's just stupid. There's no high like the most high. That's just, I'm sorry. I'm sure whoever made the church sign meant well, but it's, it's not, it's not good. Man, kicking the dog. All right, here's one That's more. That's what I think. Anyways. Here's one more. You probably from, like it. <laughs> here's one more from Joel. Church sign on a four square church. Jesus is God's selfie. <laughs> that, Do you know when I was in Davenport there's a couple of people says hey can we take a picture with you and then they said you don't have your selfie stick 
Remember how you gave me a selfie stick at your I, wedding? I do remember that. Yes. Yeah, that was great. Oh, that was so funny. And now someone asked me about it just yesterday. They thought great. they thought you carried it everywhere. Carried it like I need to have this. The problem just in with the case. selfie stick is it, it's, I'm not big enough in the picture. Jesus is. Oh, we don't have a chance to respond to this because the music's playing. Overtime. We got to say a few words after. TableTalkRadio.org. Time again. Check it. Thanks for listening, Table yeah, Talk Radio. That's right. Thanks for listening to this edition of Table Talk Radio. Table Talk Radio is not for everyone. Please consult your pastor before listening to Table Talk Radio. I think that actually works. Side effects may include nausea, vomiting, headache, heartburn, air loss, hallucinations, and aversion to incomplete sentences with aquatic injuries, psychosis, coma, death, halitosis, lung cancer, brain tumors, sleep gain, internal bleeding, internal combustion, a sudden craving to smell your backseat, claustrophobia, an uncontrollable urge to fight the Calvinists on Twitter, and falling off your treadmill. For more information, visit tabletalkradio.org. Okay, this this church sign that Jesus is God's selfie is very interesting. Um, So it's kind of a rift off of Colossians what two that says that uh, that Jesus or that that he is the very image of God or the the fullness of the Mm -hmm. of the deity dwells in him. These passages. Mm -hmm. So um, in a way, it's it's trying to I think get at that. I don't know if the right. this is this is always the question though. I mean, I, I think that there's a theological premise behind it that's very interesting. The question is, when you're borrowing kind of uh, hip language from the culture, does it actually communicate the truth of the doctrine of the Bible? And that's always going to be the the main question. Right. Uh, that's right. He so, so that's the, the the language of imprint is the he is the imprint of the invisible God. That's the tupos, and it's like the stamp. So when you had a when you had a ring and you stamped it into the wax and it made an imprint, it made a type, and that's the picture that that the scripture uses. And the, and probably the selfie is is close to that. I mean, really, it's kind of that's why because it sounds so obnoxious, but it actually might be kind of true. Mm-hmm. That's the, But that's the point you're making, because when you make this, you know, when you think of the selfie and the, and the, and this kind of, the, this sort of absurdity of the selfie, you know, which is, Wait, I'm, I'm going to go who am I talking to right pictures now? of myself. Who am I? <laughs> What'd you do with Brian Wolfmuller? <laughs> absurdity of oh, the selfie. Man. That's like, oh man. Uh, I'm going to take pictures of myself while I work on myself. <laughs> Look at myself. Wow. That's the Jim Gaffigan in the... Why are all these mirrors in the gym? I don't want to see myself. <laughs> oh, man. I did... what On one trip, I was doing selfies, but I would, I would make sure that my face covered the person I was taking a picture of. That was really good. <laughs> Some funny stuff. All right. Well, I think it's like here's me in Mount Kilimanjaro. So, so I think what happens is, and here's so, okay. So here's what I do think happens: that there, there might be a little grain of truth in this little church sign, but the problem is that the 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 dignity of the topic, which is the two natures of Christ, is diminished by the kind of. I don't know the the pop culture reference, mm-hmm. kind of flippant. So, yes, yeah, it makes it flippant, and that is the danger there. That this this the second great mystery. No, this is the first great mystery of the Christian faith: the doctrine of the Trinity and the begottenness of the Son. 
to, to con- sort of compare that to a, a selfie is just, yeah, I think that's pr- pr- probably the right word. It's, it becomes a flippant thing. The other difficulty here is that it's on a church sign. You know, I mean, it would be one thing if while you were in Bible class and you were going through maybe Colossians 1 and 2 and you were talking about the two natures of Christ, you would maybe make the remark as an analogy or a way of understanding, yeah, it's like a it's like a selfie. And you would have the opportunity then to explain what that means and why or and the shortcomings of that analogy and, and all of that. But this is on a church sign where you probably don't get the chance to elaborate or read the text or any of these things. Yeah, what would you think if you were just a sort of normal standard issue pagan driving by and you saw that, what would you think it meant? I don't think um, the standard pagan would have any idea and just, yeah, that's weird, keep going. I don't. I don't think they would give it much thought. I, I do think you have to be a Christian and know a little bit of uh, Christology in order to understand what what this church sign means. And I don't think anyone else knows or cares. Okay. Well, there you go. All what right. An interesting one. That was really interesting. That that, that makes huh. church sign worthwhile. Church sign theology worthwhile. Yeah. Huh? I mean, so at least it's thanks, at least, Joel from Australia, for sending that in. At least it's not just the kind of standard pun. I mean, that's refreshing. Thank you. All right, that's it for yeah. us. Thanks for thanks for listening to the extra innings. Yeah, there you go. Keep it mediocre. <laughs> that should be our sign off. In fact, this is how we should do it. You should say. Keep it mediocre, and I should say, and hilarious. Okay, let's try it. All right, thanks for listening. Keep it mediocre. And hilarious. I don't know about that. That wasn't so good.